Hello, and welcome to the Breathwork Club, a podcast designed to help you connect with your breathing. My name is Brian Malone, and thank you very much for joining. This episode is something a little different. The week just passed was Men's Health Week and during which an important topic usually discussed is men's mental health. My own mental health is something which, in hindsight, I've always struggled with a little. I'm lucky to come from a very privileged upbringing. I have a family that loves and supports me, amazing friends that I've been able to rely upon, and I've been lucky to find my way into a profession that is rewarding and fulfilling. Even with all these gifts, I've gone through some very low periods mentally. I suffered from panic attacks as a teenager, went through stages of my life where I became very withdrawn and down. At times I've been unable to support friends who needed support. I've been neglectful and spiteful in meaningful relationships. And I've struggled a lot with my temper. For a long time I ignored a lot of the underlying issues that caused these things, but over the last few years I've begun to learn and embrace tools that have helped me begin to live with much more awareness and reduce a lot of the suffering I used to create for myself and others. One of the things that has had the biggest impact on me is learning from the experience of others. Not just the great teachers out there, but also friends and family who have done a lot of work on their own mental health. So for this episode, I asked some of the men who I admire to share a little of their experiences of managing their mental health. I hope their words will be of help to you. One of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode is that I personally find openness and vulnerability really inspiring and really infectious. I'm super grateful to each of these guys for taking the time to contribute to this episode and for sharing their experiences. Speaking openly about topics like this is not something that always comes natural to men. I think the insights shared by the guys are things that are valuable for all of us to take into account regardless of gender. The order they are presented here is in the order I received their recordings, so I'd encourage you to find the time to listen to them all as there is so much wisdom in each. First up is my dear friend Mark, followed by Alan, Connor, Owen and Jody. I hope you enjoy listening. This is now my third time going to record this which uh, I think is an indication of how important it is to actually talk about these things. But um, my initial reaction when, when I got the memo or the kind of direction for this was to point people in the direction of others to, to help them. But ultimately, I think it's important to empower people to help themselves, especially, you know, young men or men or women. Some lovely seagulls. And <laughs> um, so for me, I want to talk about therapy actually because 
I used to have a bit of a stigma around it and I had a lot of challenge with it when I initially went. Um, I was at a real low. I didn't know kind of what to do and I've traditionally trusted plant medicine work and long stints of like silent meditation retreats or nature. Um, but there was no real outlet for that at this time. And I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm gonna actually give this therapy thing a go. Um, although I never would have judged anybody or had any kind of reservations about it for others before. I just felt like it wasn't necessarily for me. I found it maybe to be reductive or to just be a space where I wouldn't naturally gravitate because when I communicate with people, like one of the number one things I enjoy about communication is the investment in the other person, like listening to them and hearing what they have to say. And I knew therapy was going to be none of that. It was just going to be me constantly sharing and this other person just kind of listening and guiding. Um, however, I found it to be incredibly useful and powerful. And um, I think f for me, I wanted, to, I wanted to kind of wrap myself out. Initially when I went, I felt it was really reductive. And I said it to my therapist, I was like, here, all this language is like, I feel like I have this like 45 minute to an hour slot to try and convey everything that's going on into these like words. And then you just kind of listen and mirror back. And I, you know, I don't know how I feel like I'm getting no emotional re register from you. And usually I look for emotional connection in, in all my relationships, you know, um, it doesn't have to be super deep, but just to have some form of like genuine connection. And um, so I found it quite difficult and, I thought, you know, oh, maybe I should go back and do my sweat lodges or go back and do my like meditation or go back and hikes or get in the water more or go back to the jungle and do more, more of that work. But I do think therapy, especially for living in cities and especially in the modern age, is a way in sober consciousness to explore your own mind. And we started using the active imagination, which is like the Carl Jung technique of kind of digging into the mind and connecting the subconscious with the conscious. And I don't unveiled a lot of myself to me that I wasn't aware of and helped me, I suppose, voice a lot of my own concerns about myself and kind of hear out my own insecurities and hear out my own projections and limiting beliefs and pain that I was holding on to that I was limiting me. So I suppose the first piece of advice I give to anyone is to seek help. Like if you're struggling and even if you have nobody who you really trust who's in your circle and you feel so alone, there's resource there. Therapy is a phenomenal form of literal therapy that's why it's called therapy of help of assistance to help you help yourself because everyone really does have i believe their own answers to these questions inside themselves but sometimes we can't get to them because of the story or the pain or the illusion or delusion that we put on top of that that stops us from getting to our own truth and the role of a facilitator or a therapist is to literally just help us navigate those moments to get a little bit deeper into what is actually real for us and to be be kind of simplified in understanding our own emotions and our own thought patterns and our own pain and our own suffering. So for me, the advice I give is to seek help, um, you, you, you know, without having a connection to the person as well. I used to, that used to be the thing that would annoy me most is like, I have great people in my life that I can share with, that I can talk to and I do, but there's just something different when this person has no affiliation with you. Like they don't work with you. They're not your best mate. They're not your, you know, your ma, your dad are not like, someone that you're in love with. They're just a person that's there to hear you and help guide you in a kind of non-partisan way that, that just, and that is invaluable. It just means that you can totally go off the dome with not worrying about fixing yourself before you finish your sentence so the other person doesn't feel burdened by what you're saying. Or it's not about like, you know, 
fucking having having kind of some hint of the answer and not feeling guilty or like you overshared and then also not feeling like the other person who's listening is guiding you in a way that is based on their kind of agenda and that could be a positive like they could just want you to get better but they feel that they know best for you and that's often dangerous and can leave us feeling even more depleted after we share so the first thing i'd say is to seek help and then i listed a whole host of other things just in passing there that if if you're feeling like you can't go to therapy for whatever reason or you don't want to seek assistance in that way as i said earlier as well like we all have the answers ourselves inside ourselves to a lot of our problems we know why we are feeling a certain way or we understand our pain but it's important to rise above the only goic self-identifying lens of this is this is why the world is wrong me and this is why i have resentment towards myself or others or like poor me and i think the victimization of self um, in this world is you know becoming more and more prevalent um, when our power has been taken away from us and we have the tools all around us to return to that state of equilibrium and for the most part they're in nature we are nature and they're us they're they're fucking barefoot walks on the grass in your fucking local field or they're getting in cold water and going for a swim or sitting you know breathing in the fresh air uh, in a garden or just out in you know the beach or on in a forest or even just somewhere a city park wherever you can get or just stretching your body and moving i had a thought this morning as well around just music just slap on music if you can and just dance put on something that you enjoy and just dance it out of you um, and for the most part when you start to move or you start to sweat um, you just shift that kind of state that you're in uh, and you have to put in a bit of effort into actually moving your your mental state and your emotional state it doesn't just happen you have to put in that effort and to start that can be difficult and it can be daunting but once you get into the flow of it you realize oh my god this is actually so good and i really needed it and it's just changed up my mental state anything that can kind of just create that sense of calm or shift what's on the mind away even just for a little bit of respite it recenters you walking as well is just so good just go for a walk without your phone maybe some music um but just go for a walk so for me these are all different tools that i've used i go away for long stints so i come back to this kind of city this country and i work away and i try to have a sense of balance but often that gets tipped and i address it every kind of three or four months by going away for a long period of time into nature my choice is to go into the amazon jungle in peru with people that i love and know well and work away in there drinking different plants and uh, dieting and refraining from a lot of the stimulants that i would enjoy when i'm back in ireland or i'm back in the kind of western way of living like no coffee no drugs no sex very little tobacco I'm trying to really stop the tobacco altogether now and eating very little spice sugar salt uh, and just turning off all the stimulation and there's a lot of plants and trees that grow here in dublin in ireland like wild that you can you can eat and you can drink that like wild garlic uh, hawthorn all these kind of nettle these are all native to here and you don't need to go away to access them um, and yeah i think plants are great teachers i don't think we should have any gurus i think we should trust nature and nature will help us bring us back to ourselves because we know ourselves inside us what is right for us i think deep down when we stop all the noise and then just dieting from that shit, di- taking steps away from technology and all of the world's problems that feel like you have to be a, a solution for you know you can do what you can do but you can't do much more than that and i think we get burdened a lot by constantly seeing um 
things that we need to change, like big global problems, when really if we just change ourselves and our circle, uh, we can then ripple that out. I think starting with that and not worrying about whether we're, you know, on track in, you know, in this many years to be this far along, have this much money in the bank and have this much security, but just focus on, are you happy right now? Is your heart open? Are you actually being good to the people in your life? Are you being good to yourself? Are you eating well? Are you sleeping enough? Usually if we start there, we, we shock ourselves in so far as how, how much we can actually achieve um, when it comes to the bigger goals that we have in our lives, when it comes to fulfillment or self-actualization. But it just starts with now. And uh, for me, if, uh, if this has been helpful at all, um, I'm delighted because this is for me how I recenter myself and I'm by no means fucking perfect. I'm out of balance every every second hour, every second day, and it's a constant process. But these are things I know to be true. And even in just leaving this kind of message or, you know, communication, it's reminding me again of the importance of all of these different tools that are all around us and of the love that's in the life that, that I can lean on from time to time or the love that isn't in the life that make me go and seek professional help as well. Um, but there's always love there, but the only love that is really gonna pull you through, I think the depths of it is finding that love for yourself. And uh, if all of us could just find that love for ourselves, then we can really find the love for others. Because if we don't have compassion for, for this person, for you, then you're always gonna have um, a default kind of resistance to loving anyone else or an expectation on, on others to love you and to fill that gap. But you need to do that for yourself first and foremost. It's not easy, and it's a constant practice, a journey. Um, I've thrown in probably all the cliches here, but they're fucking cliche for a reason. Uh, all right, much love. Hi, my name is Alan. I am 32, and I'm from Brazil. And Brian invited me to come here and talk a little bit about my tools. What do I do to keep you on check with my mental health, or at least try? to stay sane especially during this past year during this pandemic I'm, I'm sure it was hard for everyone and I confess I was a little bit worried about sharing or recording anything and sharing my truth sharing my thoughts because every time that I do that on Instagram or I record anything two days later I'm just looking back and saying what the hell I was talking about so you can take what you take and you can ignore anything that doesn't make any sense to you because everything that I talk will be based on my own experience and my experience they were great I'm always so grateful and I think that's where I can probably start uh, since I was a child I was very privileged and I was born into a family that was able to provide me everything that I ever wanted in a small village in the middle of nowhere in Brazil. And I always, I remember always being kind of spiritual. I, I'm not, I don't have any religion right now and I don't think you should, but I think just make things easier when you believe in something I have some friends that don't believe in anything and my head just cannot get around that I'm, I'm like how do you live and 
I think I always kind of believed in karma. So I think I was brought into this world bringing a lot of good karma. So I don't have much to complain about it. <laughs> you can call me spoiled. I just think that I was lucky. But yeah, it hasn't always been uh, rainbows and flowers. I, I wish it was. <laughs> But I think once I had to burst that little bubble of mine and face reality, I guess, grow up. <laughs> I came to Ireland uh, about nine years ago when I was having the time of my life for a while. I came out as non-straight, I would say, men here. I started having relationship with other men. And even my coming out story, I cannot complain. My friends joke with me that I didn't even had to go through that traumas of coming out in Brazil or having to hide anything. Because I, 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 I didn't really struggle with my sexuality back then as well. I think I'm actually still figuring that out, but I was happy. But I think I really struggled when it came really with trying to decide what I want to do with my life. I have changed my careers a few times and about a few years back, I was having a really hard time with that and I was doing therapy and I was very anxious. I was having sort of panic attacks and I think that was probably my soul asking for help like I kept trying and trying to do things that my ego probably wanted to do at the time I was working with fashion and I don't know I was I, I wasn't happy I was I had moments of was where I was partying a lot I was taking a lot of drugs I was trying to escape reality I would say and then on top of all that I had really tough breakup and I think, I think probably was the first time that I really had my heart broken. So I just couldn't deal with all that. And I really, really reached my lowest, you know. And I'm so lucky again that I, I was still going to therapy and that I could afford it. Because I know it's something that's not um, everybody that can do. But it is so important, you know. Like, I really think that's something that everybody should do. It should be available to everybody. And there she said to me that um, she was going to give you a number of a colleague, a psychiatrist, so she would probably introduce me so, to some medication for the anxiety because I was having panic attacks at the time. And it was really horrible, you know, I didn't know how to deal with that. So I remember leaving the office of that section that day with my phone in my hand and I dialed straight away to, to this doctor and she was actually on holidays <laughs> and I was just oh my god I just cannot go I, I was really like I cannot go one day more like this I was miserable and then I, I met a friend in a park and she said to me like why don't you try yoga you know and I was like you know what like yes I might do it and next day I, I went to my first class like it was a big run class and I like I was 
I was just trying to survive, you know, like for the entire ninth minute class. But it was like transforming because at the time, I think my thoughts was so repetitive and obsessive. I couldn't turn off. I couldn't, I couldn't shut down. And for those ninth minutes, I was like, wow what just happened here you know i was really living that moment i was living the present and i remember finishing that class and after my first very class i was like i'm gonna become a yoga teacher and then actually just stop like i went day after day after day i would wake up every day and i would go i would miss a day of exercising like i, I call exercising because you as a yoga teacher know as well that yoga has much more to offer than just doing pretty pose and having a bendy spine Brian but not everybody see like that but like I really genuinely fell in love of it so I start first studying by myself and more I did more fascinated I became about all that like more I wanted to know I wanted to understand everything like there was this time that I was obsessed with psychology because it was too much to learn I was obsessed with Carl Jung and the shadow work and the archetypes and everything but yeah like I just became obsessed with a little bit of it so I became a teacher so today I I do my breath work every day my meditation every day I do a little bit of chanting every day, mantras. So I keep a strong spiritual practice, but I never forget that we are also only humans. So while living on earth, we are here to experience desires. And I try to be good. You know, I, I think it's really important to have a good diet. I don't like to say I'm vegan, but I try to eat plant-based as much as I can because I really feel the difference in my body. I try to avoid alcohol as well because every time I do, it is a disaster. But I drink sometimes. No, I'm not going to say that I don't drink. So next week you'll see me out having a pint. You don't judge me because we try to judge it as little as we can. So yeah, so that's me. Just another human being on his yoga journey as everybody else. Because again, according to what I believe, everybody here, it is on a yoga path. Some is more aware than others, but we are all here having this human experience, learning and evolving through desire and suffering, walking towards the same thing. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Brian. Sends you hugs and love to you and everybody else out there. My name's Connor Stone. I'm a 24-year-old from Dublin, living in London. And I've had an interesting journey with mental health, like a lot of people have. I've always been an, an anxious person, I think. I uh, was always that nervous guy, the shy guy growing up. I was always the person who was scared whenever they had a stomach bug that their appendix was about to burst, that when their parents weren't home from the pub on time that they were probably dead or injured or something. And 
everyone would notice that, but it would always be deemed, oh, he's shy, oh, he's nervous, or whatever it is. It probably was the, the first signs of anxiety, but I never really thought of it that way. And my conscious experience of anxiety and depression came about when I had my first panic attack when I was 20 years of age. I loved sport growing up. It was my place where I felt confident, I felt comfortable. I think it came from this desire to, to be the best I could be, to make my dad proud of me. He is a man who comes from the construction world, from the sporting world. He played for Dublin growing up. And I think I thought subconsciously or consciously growing up with him as my dad that the easiest way to make him proud of me and to make him love me was to achieve in, in sport. So I said about wanting to emulate him and become a hurler and play for Dublin. And that's what I dedicated my life to. And I got to a good level, you know, I wasn't the best, I wasn't that fast, I wasn't that strong, but I worked, I worked really hard. I trained as much as I could and I got to, to a good level. I played for my county underage and um, played for my club at senior level for, for a number of years. Um, but unfortunately at the age of 20, I, I had a bad injury, I, I damaged my hips had to retire from sport. I, could, I couldn't run, I couldn't play hurling again. And it was like my dreams, something that I've worked towards for my whole life, it was, it was gone. It seemed like it was pointless. And almost immediately my energy shifted. I don't know what it was, but I just didn't feel myself anymore. It was three weeks after I played my last hurling match that I had my first panic attack. For anyone that's had a panic attack, I, like I've been there, it's it's horrible, I'm sorry. Um, for anyone who hasn't, it's just not a nice place to be. I I thought I was gonna die, honestly. Again, this goes back to, you know, good old health anxiety me, where I thought I was gonna pass out. I thought I was gonna have a heart attack. Um, I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that it was bad. And it took me a while to work out that what was going on was happening inside of my head. I was lucky that I have a mother who's a psychotherapist who was able to suggest to me that these panic attacks, which wasn't just one, it became something that would happen multiple times a week, that this was a thing called anxiety, something that maybe I should see therapy, go to therapy for, see a therapist about. And I was like, anxiety, what's that? Why would I be anxious? Like, what do I have to be anxious about? But I made a promise to my mom I'd go to I'd go to therapy. And uh, I did. I went to a psychotherapist called Brian. And I went in and I said to him, Listen, I'm only gonna be here for two or three sessions. Like all that's wrong with me is I love sport and I can't play, but I'll I'll find something else, it'll be cool. But I was wrong. Um and Brian didn't accept that. And I'm still seeing him every second week to this day, four years on. So, you know, he was, he was right, I was wrong. And what he helped me to understand was that losing sport wasn't just a loss in itself, but losing sport was the loss of a suppression tool, something that I'd used to bury all of the tough things that had happened in my life to that day. I use sport when someone in my family passed 
I used sport when my parents separated. I used sport when my heart was broken, when things didn't go my way. And it always felt like if I achieve in this, if I do well in this, then all these bad things don't exist. And suddenly I didn't have that anymore. I didn't have that suppression till all of these 20, 21 years of shit had built up and I had to deal with it at once. And that wasn't easy. I think the challenges I faced was things like some people didn't understand. Some people were super supportive, but that man, my dad, the person I tried to make proud of me through sport when I told him I was anxious, it didn't have the effect that I, I would have liked. He didn't have the reaction I would have liked. He, he said to me, well, what are you anxious about? And I was like, oh, it's that. it doesn't work like that. And he just didn't, he didn't understand. He didn't accept it. It made me feel shame or guilt or question myself, even though I knew that this was something I was going through and struggling with. I kept going through therapy and I realized it's not just anxiety, it's it's depression too, um, which is harder to, to accept, I think, for myself. There was just, it was such a dirty word in my family. And when I said it to him, he said, listen, I can accept the anxiety, but my, my son's not depressed. And that's when I, I snapped and I said to him, listen, you know, I've had every injury under the sun and you've always been the one to look after me, to take me to the hospital, to take me to the GP, to get fixed up, to get scans, to get surgeries, whatever it might be. But for this, you are not supporting me. I need you to be that person again. I need you to be my crutch. I need you to be my support. Here's some videos, here's a book. Go learn about it. I'm gonna talk to you then. And the amazing thing is that he did. He did do that research and he became my biggest fan, he got to a stage where he openly talks to me about this stuff as much as he can. And he tells his friends about the work that I do with pride. What happened on this journey then is that I started to fall in love with some of the amazing wellbeing tools that are out there that helped me to heal, that helped me to actually process the stuff that had happened in my life rather than bury it down like with hurling. I learned about mindfulness and meditation, about breath work. I learned how I can find a little anchor into the present moment whenever I need it during the day, just to slow things down, just to check in myself, just to find that space between the madness, the stress that goes on in life. I learned about yoga. I learned to find a, an exercise tool that made me feel good, gave me all those positive effects, but wasn't a like wasn't a competition. It was important for me. I learned about CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy and journaling, which is my favorite thing in the world. Just being able to write down my thoughts and being able to say, I love you. You're a good person. You deserve to be loved. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to be at peace. Because that's something that I struggled with for so long, this idea, this feeling that I didn't deserve those things. And to learn that just writing down positive messages like that can have an impact on the way I feel, the way I feel about myself was so powerful. And then I started to document my journey in real time. Um, I started to write blogs about my experiences of panic attacks, of um, depression, my experiences of alcohol inflicting with these things, of sport, of therapy, of everything. 
And the funny thing is, like I said before, I always wanted my dad to be proud of me and I thought sport was the way to do it. But the funny thing is now I feel like my dad has never been proud of me and that's the true talking about and opening up about something that previously he thought was a bad thing, was a, a dirty thing, was a thing that he couldn't accept. And now he accepts me for me and that makes me very happy. Um, I still struggle sometimes, but I have the tools now, I think, to, to deal with that as best I can. I have the people around me, I have my dad around me, and I think I'll be okay. If I think of mental health and the immediate associations I have for the two words, I think of how things have changed over time. At a time in the past, when I was a bit younger, Mental health almost had an eerie significance, like the mist coming over the hill or the creature below the lake. Mental health was something to avoid at all costs and synonymous with negativity. Would I view the sporting injury or winter flu in the same light? Definitely not. In the past, mental health came with high stakes, extremes and opposites. It was always black or white, strong or weak, pass or fail, win or lose. Much of this I think is sadly ingrained in men, either through immediate environments or on a bigger scale. I was very fortunate to come from a supportive family and good skills, but even with that platform I can think of times in the past that I would have taught along those lines. But that in itself is a learning. We can have much good in our lives and not feel great, and that's fine to feel like that. I remember going to a therapist once, probably in the worst period, and wanting answers to why I was feeling the way I was. I think in my head I had a fantasy that he would pinpoint an exact event or moment that was the catalyst to how I was feeling. That didn't happen, much to my youthful disappointment. But over time I learned that mental health is complex and probably down to a variety of factors. If I think of times when I felt at my worst, I think of feeling disillusioned, unhappy and uninspired. I was always a very active person and my hobbies and interests largely bolstered my life. During the times when my mental health wasn't great, I probably wasn't doing enough of these things and that was key in improving my overall well-being. Returning to these hobbies and interests had a huge effect. Regular exercise again was key and something that I constantly go to now. I remember starting a martial art for the first time and the buzz I got off a week's training again. The combination of a hugely physical workout mixed with having to learn something new was the perfect remedy. Exercise for me is the perfect tonic. You're boosting your well-being, improving your energy, and it really helps me to wipe away any overthinking or lingering negative thoughts. You can also see yourself progress and achieve goals, which I also think is vital for well-being. I'd always played a lot of sport when I was younger, and the fact that I wasn't exercising at all during my worst times or lowest points wasn't a coincidence for me. Returning to other things that made me happy was also vital. For me, these are creative activities, being outdoors and in nature, traveling, socializing, and being with friends and family. Doing these things is key in boosting my mental health. If I'm in a bad mood or having a bad day, these are my go-tos. I think people might naturally have a level of discomfort starting new things, or even returning to old things, and this is perfectly normal. But getting over this discomfort will happen just by starting or trying, and after that, it won't feel as uncomfortable. 
That's another thing I've learned from my experiences with mental health. Much like looking after our bodies, we need to dedicate time and energy into doing the things that are good for us. This will give us a greater understanding of ourselves, however, and I think that's invaluable. I think ideas like this podcast episode are a great idea. Removing the stigma for men to talk about their experiences should be a big focus for us all, and every person who shares something makes a huge contribution to this. I've lost track of all the times I've been motivated by listening to someone talk about how they overcame things or things that have helped them. This is fuel, and has been a huge benefit to me down through the years. It's also important to realise that even with all of these things, we can still not feel great and that's perfectly fine. A well-oiled plane will still experience turbulence. But if doing as much and the best that we can, then we're giving ourselves a better chance to ride those times out. Hey guys, so uh, honoured that Brian asked me to jump on here and talk a little bit about mental health um, and the two questions that you asked me were the biggest challenges that I faced and then some tools that I found useful. So I'll start with challenges I think for men and I think this is like aimed at men, this is Men's Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, I think for men and I can obviously only speak from my own experience and from the people around me that I've spoken to and I'm no expert on this subject obviously but from my own experience for guys especially and this is probably true for a lot of people as well that are not male we have to allow ourselves to feel worthy of vulnerability to feel worthy of our own cause or our own issues being important and I think a lot of the time we'll play down, especially guys, we'll play down our own feelings and we'll block off our own feelings and, you know, push them down in order to, in order to feel like we're supporting, I suppose, the others around us more so. And over time, you know, we just lose our own feeling of worthiness in terms of the importance of our own emotional state and giving ourselves the permission, you know, giving ourselves the permission to feel vulnerable at times and not to always have to be tough or always have to be um, saddling the load to feel like we are doing some good in the world. Um, another big challenge, I think, is for guys again especially just simply accessing emotion and accessing intuition so i know for me personally i was so kind of shut down in this regard in terms of accessing my own emotion that i couldn't actually figure out what mental state i was in or what the underlying reasons for my my you know bad feelings or whatever were and if I could even understand that the feelings were there in the first place and like take today for instance today I woke up and I've just been in a bad state of mind today you know and this still happens to me where I can't sometimes figure out the underlying reason for it you know and then I tell myself 
you don't have to rationalize everything. You don't have to have an understanding and try to rationalize what's going on beneath just accepting the feeling and, you know, understanding that it's there and that as my wife just sent me a message when I said, I'm sorry for being grumpy today. And she said, you know, it's just a passing cloud. I love that. Um, I love that concept, that just accepting it's here, it's okay, I will deal with it, I will push on through, I'm not letting it consume me totally, I'm still continuing on with my day, but not just stuffing it down and ignoring it, you know, acknowledging it, accepting the emotion, and over time, you become better at understanding what's going on, um, and that's where intuition comes in, so intuition being the kind of act of listening to yourself, you know, of these little voices that are inside you. And I suppose the first and hardest part of that is trying to understand and trying to figure out which voice to listen to. And I mean, over time, you just got to figure that out as you go um, and figure out which voice is the one that's guiding you in the right direction. And this is a process that takes a little bit of time I'm no expert at it, I'm still figuring this stuff out, but we have these different voices inside us and sometimes the voice that screams the loudest and most of the time the voice that screams the loudest is the one that has something negative to say because our mind is geared to, you know, help us survive. So negative things are the ones that we know us the most and learning to listen to that quieter voice, that voice that's deeper inside and giving it space and starting to listen to that is an interesting journey and it takes a little bit of time but that is what I find for for myself as a guy and for people that I've talked to like actually accessing the emotion itself and then starting to listen and starting to access the intuition are two of the biggest blocks because from a young age we're we're conditioned not to not to access these things at all, you know? Emotion is weakness and intuition is some, you know, silly girly thing that men shouldn't be as, uh, interested in. So these are two, I find, of the biggest things that uh, have been a challenge. And in terms of tools, again, speaking just from my own experience, I feel like accepting that our feelings, that my feelings as a man, are not a burden on everybody around me. So I felt this was a huge conditioning piece that I had built into me and that my emotions, if I was feeling bad or if I was feeling down or if I was feeling, you know, isolated or if I was feeling vulnerable or weak or whatever it might be, that by sharing this with the people close to me that I'm actually only burdening them and I'm only adding to their stress so the best thing that I could do for the people around me as a support mechanism was to you know just stuff it down and, and not voice it and actually the complete opposite is true if you are shut down and if you're not expressing these emotions if you're not expressing to your partner or to your friends or to the people close to you how you're feeling and what kind of state you're in well then how can they ever know, you know? And for you personally, this just becomes a snowball where the more you shut it down, the less you can access it. And 
the bigger and bigger that snowball gets and the less and less you can actually access these things and understand what's going on with you. So understanding that your emotions and your feelings and your own personal like issues, whatever they might be, are not a burden on the people around you. It's actually far from it. Like these are ways that we can actually form and um, reinforce bonds and friendships and relationships and sharing with the people around you gives them an insight into how you're feeling and it allows them to be a better friend to you and it also allows you to to be more open so if we're shutting ourselves down then we find it hard to access empathy and we find it hard to be around people who are having a hard time and if you can access this and be vulnerable and open up then you can actually be a much better partner, much better son, a much better friend because you can actually access these things and you can be there for people much more. So for me, that was a huge, huge game changer. And um, understanding that your feelings are not a burden on the people around you, that actually they help form and consolidate and reinforce your relationships. And when you let people in, when you let people access your vulnerability, you can connect with people much, much better. And it's actually, it's really hard to do. I found as a guy like this, we have this such a resistance to inverted commas burdening people or, you know, just opening up and talking about how we're feeling. This can be actually a really, really hard thing to do and um, because it's been so embedded into us and you have to really, really fight through this, you know? But my advice would be to start with the people closest to you. Find the people that you feel most comfortable with and start there and you will feel less awkward with those people. And over time, this is just like exposure therapy. Over time, you will just become better at opening and talking and, you know, being vulnerable. And then another big one, and this is my last piece here, is give yourself the permission to change. Okay, because I've found that a lot of the people around you and even from yourself you have this picture of who you are and what your relationship with certain people constitutes and you know that might include banter and you know a bit of slagging or you know you're the jester in the group or whatever role that you play within your groups within your family within your friends understand that that's not something that has to go on forever and this is a big part of the resistance to change because if you want to access vulnerability if you want to change something then change is inevitable you know and from my point of view change is just a part of life and we all grow and change as we go and you have to give yourself the permission to grow and to change and if you find that people around you are resistant to that, which some people will be, well, you know, maybe they're not people who have your best intentions in mind, you know? And there will be a period of jarring, kind of where you, things feel off as you go through this period of change where people will turn around and say, oh, you've changed, you know? And in response to that, you say, yes, I've changed and I've grown and embrace that and the people who are truly there for you and truly have your best in mind the people whose intentions towards you are 
good and honorable and empathetic will embrace that change and they'll celebrate you growing and they'll celebrate you changing and other people won't like it and that's just part of life you know and as you grow and as you change some people drift away but more people will come into your life as well so embracing this change and not feeling guilty like you have a duty to the people around you to be a certain way or to act in a certain manner because that's the way you have acted for a certain amount of time and that's what people are used to give yourself the permission to change unapologetically and if people around you don't accept that you have to move forward regardless and eventually they'll either come around to it or they'll drift away and new people will come into your life but the relationships that matter will only get stronger the people who care for you and who want the best for you will only get stronger you know those relationships will only grow so that is my little two cents as i said i am no expert this is just speaking from my own experience and uh, feeling a little vulnerable myself talking here so i hope that uh, you're all well and i hope that you're all feeling good and yes have a wonderful wonderful week and i wish you all peace and love